This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Podcast. Shed hunting season is over for most of us, but some of us are still rolling with it. I'm done, but this is a great episode to uh, check in with Weston from Rise and Shed on what he does year-round. See kind of what his summer shed hunting looks like, fall shed hunting, and uh, he he does it year-round, so almost year-round. So it's really interesting to... Uh, get some motivation to quit, not quit shed hunting uh, and to go find some more. He had some really good advice on uh, how he attacks his season and a great episode with Weston, so give it a listen. All right, Weston, I want to thank you for coming on the Western Hunting Podcast. And... Uh, um, been following your your instagram page and 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 watching a few youtube videos here and there uh when i find myself on youtube and that's where i kind of fe- found you seen you do some different things and and uh yeah i just wanted to come on have you come on and just chat a little shed hunting this episode so i uh, appreciate coming on and and if you wouldn't mind just introduce yourself who you are and and your your channel what you do what you're about okay uh no thank you for having me on i appreciate it very much but I'm Weston MacArthur. I am the owner of Rise and Shed. I have all the social media outlets, uh, mostly on Instagram and YouTube the most. But I do have a TikTok, but I'm getting sick of that because every time I post shed content, they take it down because they say it's harmful or something like that oh with animals. Gosh. So, yeah, kind of getting ridiculous. But, yeah, basically I uh, create outdoor content. I go on shed hunts. I do my own hunting, big game hunting do a little bit of fishing here and there. Uh, and I also film and edit for a TV show, TV show called hunt wars. So kind of dabbling into that whole thing and just trying to make myself better and try to produce better content for everybody else that watches the channel. But it's been a fun little journey. I've been doing rise and shed. It'll be five years in July. So I've, uh, you know, gone out on my own took the leap and like i was telling you earlier i was blue collar worker did uh cell phone towers uh did a little bit of excavation and then kind of got tired of working for the man and i wanted to build something for myself and so the outdoors is my happy place this is what i love to do and you know it's just kind of crazy that i kind of made it my career my profession and i love what i do so kind of got the best of both worlds awesome yeah that uh um I forgot about hunt wars. That's a, it's kind of a big one, but kind of a <laughs> lot going on there as well. Uh, are you, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Cause there's, um, and where people are finding that and, um, kind of what you guys got going on. I'm assuming you're getting ready for the, the upcoming season and, and getting teams together. And, um, it's kind of a unique, totally different thing you don't see very often. And what's that all about? So it is a hunting competition show. So if you go on huntwars.com, you can go apply. We actually just closed for season four. 
Uh, we actually had a live drawing at the Baku Archery Center over in Weber. And uh, so basically you sign up, we have a interview process because we do want to make sure we're bringing people on that are ethical, you know, like we want to get them in front of the, I mean, in front of us and make sure that they're, you know, going to be good for the show. And honestly, we haven't turned anybody down yet. So everybody we've chose and interviewed, they've all been on the show. So it's all mm -hmm. worked out great that way. So basically you get put in to awesome unit and we've kind of changed it up a couple times, but we have some hunts that we've gone back to just because we enjoy the area and it's just, you know, it's a fun environment. Uh, so yeah, we will choose our contestants, put them in an area. It's fully paid for. And the only way, I mean, the only thing that you pay for is your way out there and your way home. We, we cover your tags, we cover food, we cover lodging, all that stuff. Um, so it's based off score. So it's the total inches of antler. Uh, you add up all the points that way. And then age is worth double. And then we have a shot yardage deduction. So like between rifle and archery hunting, it just depends on the yardages. So like with archery, zero to 40, no deduction. Uh, I think it's like 40 to 60 is a 10 point deduction. 60 to 80 is 20. And then 80 and above is a 30 point deduction. So we also want to be ethical in that way. And, you know, make sure you're getting in close to animals. And like I said, age is worth double. And so you combine all that together and the highest score wins. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. Uh, like I said, we're doing season four this year and I've been there since the very beginning. So uh, it was actually kind of funny. Uh, Troy, who is the owner of Hunt Wars uh, that had the idea of it, reached out to me uh, through Instagram. He had seen some of my stuff and he's like, hey, I'm throwing an idea at you. And, you know, so we talked about it. And when he said he wanted to make it a TV show, dude, I had no idea what to do with a TV show and editing and all that behind it. And I was like, I can't help you there, but I do want an opportunity. I would love to help you film. And, and if you find a production company, awesome. Like I would just love to be there and have the opportunity and actually didn't hear from him for a while. And three weeks before the competition called me up, he's like, Hey, you ready to go to New Mexico? We're going to go film some bulls. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's roll. And so uh, those guys have actually been so awesome. Uh, I feel like it's a paid internship in a way, just because they've taught me so much with editing. They've taught me so much with camera gear and just all the settings and stuff like that. So I've been learning at Hunt Wars and then I kind of try to transition it over to my own personal stuff, you know, like some of the stuff that I've learned and Brit and Will are just amazing with what they do. They're the production company and, it's it's just crazy what they can create and the feel that they bring to their show and stuff. And, and honestly, I love it. It's a blast. Every single mm -hmm. time I've gone out, it's a good time. So you're there with the with the hunters filming for the hunters. Yes, sir. Okay. So it's because you see some of those competitions where you have the the hunters, they it, it's it's a lot about the I don't know if they're still doing some of those where it's about their film and as well, the filming that they do and um that's a competition in its in itself and creating a mm. quality film but it's just the hunting they're just it's just the hunting yeah they're they're putting in the work and the uh i'm assuming they're man if you're the camera guy 
how often are they wanting to lean on you? <laughs> just with um, a like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about uh, this? Like, don't get me wrong, just because I do have experience hunting, like I I grew up hunting. And so like I feel I have a pretty good head on my shoulders when I'm out in the hunting woods. So there de- definitely have been times where a hunter has asked me, what do you think about this? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I'm not really supposed to help, but there's just that instinctual thing that's like, no, we got to go. Let's do this. You know, like, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I've I've chimed in. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like we all have. Like, I feel like that's just human nature. Like when you get asked a question, you got to go. You know? Yeah. And if you had a big bull on the end of that decision, it's like, what are you going to do? Just not say something like, I know that bull is going to go to the right there. We got to get above or he's going to wind us, do some kind of weird movement. It would be hard to just allow it to fail. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like you're saying, human nature, it's important to, you know, help each other out to, you want to see people successful. So, huh. Absolutely. <laughs> no, and there's definitely times like being the cameraman, like I want to be the one behind the gun or behind the bowstring and stuff, you know, and it's hard for me to film sometimes. And I don't know if you've seen any of the hunt wars episodes, yeah. but I actually got to, uh, if you saw the episode where the guy is crawling in at the two bull elk that are fighting each other, dude, I was losing my mind in that moment. Just, it was so badass. <laughs> and we have freaking Dustin crawling in on these two bull elk, just going at it. And you can actually hear me giggle like in the camera, you know, cause I was like, Oh my gosh, this is happening right now. Like this is so <laughs> cool. And then obviously it ended up, uh, as he was crawling, his broadhead had fell off the arrow because oh he was gosh. going through tall grass and he was using his bow, you know, like trying yeah. to stay low. And unfortunately he went to draw and noticed that the broadhead had fell off his arrow. And then by that time, the bulls were kind of aware of him, kind of spooked off. And then because he was, you know, breathing so hard, he had ranged above the bulls and hit the trees in the background. And so he tried to get in even closer. But when he ranged, he probably could have made a very good shot on the bull. Because in even in the film, like you can see it, it looks like he's like 30 yards away from these bulls. And I was just like, okay. Like, stop, stop. All right, shoot. Come on. Oh my <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's definitely those moments while you're filming. Uh, I've had some incredible experiences out there just being behind the camera. And th- th- there's definitely kind of that feeling of just like, man, I kind of would have done this or I would have done this different. But, you know, everybody has their own way of hunting. And I've actually learned quite a few things from our hunters, too, from our contestants. So it's actually been a pretty cool little deal for me. So did the, has, has camera work and it seems like camera folks, uh, photography folks like that, that's a, a love and a skill, um, for some others, you kind of get fall into it and, and they're doing their thing. I am a absolute zero camera work. I don't do a single thing. I don't want to, I don't want to have a, I have an audio based YouTube channel and the only video is occasion, not this interview. So I didn't even close my cabinets behind me, <laughs> but, uh, um, but some videos go on, on YouTube, but I don't do a single thing was where video is, is video been a part of kind of your love of, of sharing the outdoors for a long time, or was that just an avenue to do that? 
I think it was sense. more it does make sense like don't get me wrong I was I always loved watching films like I mm. I love when people can take raw footage and build an, a film where somebody can feel an emotion or connect with that and resonate with that I love that aspect of film and that's yeah. something that I try to do and try to get better at as I keep doing this like I try to produ- I mean increase my production value and trust me i have i I don't make the best videos i already know that but you know it it is kind of a challenge every time you want to get better and that's something else i love about it but that was kind of the thing that started for me is uh i was actually just barely married uh sitting in the living room watching eric chester's fireball video and that video honestly got me hooked on youtube i was like man if you know like somebody can create a video and i'm so drawn into this video why can't i do that why can i share my experiences and my adventures and that's honestly where it all started and uh i mean it took me two years to finally start a youtube channel after that so i started my youtube channel in 2016 and honestly it was kind of just a hobby uh i would just try to get out on the weekends try to go shed hunting anytime that i could and it kind of just built into from being a hobby and then people started asking for merch and then people started asking for more videos and then it kind of just steamrolled itself into what it is today and like trust me when i started i had no plans of doing this full time it was just a hobby mm-hmm. and then you know i kind of saw light at the end of the tunnel and i started gaining a little bit of traction and people were buying my stuff and i was just like you know i could potentially do something with this like this is actually kind of cool like and the fact that i love the outdoors this is like my passion this is where you know it's like this is where i feel home you know like i love the outdoors i love just being out there breathing fresh air just listening to the wind nature i love to just take it all in and so honestly it just kind of all rolled up together and it just went kaboom and i just started going with it and like i said i just I got tired of working for the man and I wanted to build something for myself and I wanted something that I could, you know, prove to myself that I could do and have there been bumps in the road. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of learning curves when you create your own business. And if you don't work, you don't make money and you, you know, like your family suffers. And so, and that's the other thing too, is I have a one and a half year old daughter named Meadow and having her, like just lit a whole new fire inside of me and it's crazy just how kids will do that to you though like obviously i want to do that for my wife and for myself anyway but just having that little girl dude it was like a whole new fire came out yeah i remember your videos uh uh when she she was born and some of the things you've posted on that just uh turn turn your world upside down in a good way and, oh yeah and uh I, you shared that along the way how many years have have you been full-time doing this so i'll be five years in july oh wow so you were saying like my videos aren't the best i mean they're you're you're doing this full-time so uh you gotta give yourself <laughs> credit for that but you're also filming shed hunting <laughs> which yeah. is is hard i i would imagine that is hard to to film you walking around and nobody with you or if someone else is with you they're over there mm-hmm. <laughs> doing, uh, looking over there so um that's a hard thing to to 
to create a, a story for. So are you, what's, what's going in your mind on like creating a story for, let's say a, uh, uh, Wyoming trip you're going to or Arizona you're headed to Arizona what kind of story are you looking to tell or just show hey this is what we did and this is what we found and we had a good time doing it or what's what kind of goes through your head and your planning in that honestly bro I wing it a lot of the time and it <laughs> probably shouldn't be that way but I honestly just wing it and I, don't get me wrong as I do this more and the more I guess value that I want to create. I want to be more educational. So there are certain things that I want to like point out, like whether it's elevation, the type of terrain, you know, like I want to start adding certain factors into my videos that obviously help other people find sheds too. Cause Mm -hmm. that's honestly what I need to be better at is creating a storyline that way and being more helpful and mindful about other people to help them out along the way as well. But Going into it, though, it's like you do a whole bunch of e-scouting. I'm partnered with Scout to Hunt, so I'm on Scout to Hunt looking at my maps, and we'll pick a spot that just, you know, like, I guess after you do it for so long, you can just look at terrain, and you're like, there's sheds there. There has to be sheds there, you know, but there are definitely are are those times that you get skunked, and you put in a 14-hour, I mean, a 14-mile hike, and you get skunked, and that does happen, but... I've been fortunate enough that I also have buddies that, you know, I've met through social media and stuff and they want to share spots. I'll share spots. And so we go to an area, you know, where it we're bound to find something, you know, but as far as planning goes, I, I honestly just kind of wing it. And I know I need to get better at it too in that aspect, because I also get kind of caught up in the moment. Like, there are times that I'm just like, oh, do I really have to pull out my phone right now or really have to pull out the camera and film this? Like, I just want to live. I just want to be here. I just want to yeah. do this in the moment. So there is still even that battle, even to this day when I'm out on shed hunts, that's like, man, I just want to hike. I just, I just want to go for a hike. I don't even want any type of device on me. I just want to hike. And so, yeah, I, I, there are definitely those days still, but I wish I could be more helpful that way, but yeah, I don't really plan anything out. No. And, and I'm finding too, even I need to be careful with how I plan episodes because I think I want to get something out of it. And then the conversation goes into something that I don't like, I can't plan what I'm going to learn if I don't know what I'm going to learn. And mm-hmm. you, you, you don't know what you always, you're going to learn or find. So it's mm-hmm. probably that same kind of deal where you just, some of that has to happen. You just don't know. Like if you've seen, mm-hmm. oh, what's uh Cam Haynes' new video he just put out the um uh with uh Shockey um Brandon with, Shockey? Yeah. The yeah, wolves. Uh yes, we were wolves. Yeah. Um, like that wasn't named, and I listened to to his podcast on that where it wasn't named and the storyline really wasn't uh determined what the takeaway was until after that whole thing went down it's like they didn't know they were going to have a charging grizzly they didn't know he was going to make a bad shot who would think the camp campaign's going to make a bad shot at not very far away it wasn't a bad shot it was dead dead bear eventually but uh they had to finish it off with a with a gun and he was so devastated with that but the the storyline of of what happened in there developed at a later time and 
yeah, we just don't always know what we're going to get. So yeah, I, I, I get you there. Um, changing, changing the direction though. How'd your shed season? Well, you're, you're going nonstop, but <laughs> that, cause I, it's, that's the funny thing is for, for a lot of hobbyist shed hunters like myself, I got a shed season. I'm going mm-hmm. out and I don't, we don't have a shed season here, a legal shed season. So I'm, I love March for hiking around. March is like gorgeous. Most of the time we couldn't get over winter here. So, and neither could you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but, uh, we had uh march is usually a great month to hike and then april for elk and maybe if you're adventurous you keep going into may for elk but otherwise it's a two-month thing for a lot of guys and they're done um it, it would you say that that is maybe still the the peak of your season or are you just is it just the same kind of thing throughout well this year was kind of different just because utah had a shed closure again Uh, so I was going out of state, uh, during, you know, March and April, and I usually do make those trips anyway, but that was my only option. I had to go to Arizona or New Mexico because those are the only open States that I'm close to. Uh, but for the most part, I would say March through the end of May is my actual, I go hard. Like I'm doing it every week, multiple days a week. And yeah, I would say March through May is my actual season, but we just went out last week because we had two days that were 60 degrees. And so we took advantage of that, tried some new area and it actually paid off. Uh, One of our buddies actually picked up like a, he's broken 360 set, but we're figuring even missing like 20 inches. So it was just a giant set. And then the second day got into a whole bunch of deer sheds and tried another new place. So that's honestly what I like to do as well. Like when it starts to get hotter and I'm not going out as much, I'll start to hit new areas just because you hit those areas that are your prime areas first. And then you just try to branch out. And if I can find new honey holes in, you know, the hotter months and stuff like that, that's just awesome because I know going into next year, I'm going to be focusing on those areas too. So, but yeah, I would say March to May really is my actual shed season. I don't do much in June and July. Like I said, if we can catch a cool day, I'll go out then. And then August, uh, since I actually have my very first archery mule deer tag here in Utah, I'm going to be putting in a lot of time scouting. Uh, that's something that I want to do. Like I, my goal this year with hunting is I want to tag out on a mature buck that's with my bow that's my number one goal this year is a mature buck and then i'll get the archery tag for elk here as well and then i have colorado third season rifle and i also have the arizona over-the-counter archery tag as well so i still have four tags in my pocket right now but once hunting season comes around shed hunting does kind of take a back seat and then I'll be filming for hunt wars as well. So if I'm not filming for hunt wars, I'm definitely going to be hunting for myself because I just, I have some goals that I want to accomplish. That's a, that's a good balance to be able to, because you, it gives you that break. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want to, you want to not like shed hunting anymore. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I don't think that could ever happen. That's good. <laughs> I that's love good. it way too much, man. That's good. Um, it, and then same for me is just work is hunting 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 
my business is hunting, my podcast is hunting, and it's just nonstop hunting related stuff. And and uh, I, I get you; I don't get tired of it. I like mixing it up though. Sometimes, absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah, where I'll the fishing some, fishing comes yeah, in. Exactly. I'll, I'll throw in some ice fishing in like December and January and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you know when it's blazing hot in July. Yes, we'll go do some lake fishing and whatnot, and you know hit a couple rivers. But I'm not like huge into fishing. I'm not. I guess very good at it. I'm the old school throw out a bobber and just sit in a lawn chair and wait for yeah. something to bite. Yeah. Uh I could do a, a little spear fishing this weekend. I tried it oh. the other day. Oh my gosh. I it, there's not very often do I have a new activity that is something I've never done before in the outdoors. Like I feel like I've tried a lot of things. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not the master at anything, but I try I've tried a lot. But someone, I had no idea what to expect. And I went with somebody and they showed us how to do it. And we were shooting rock bass and some Northern and it was a riot. And now Are I'm you gonna, snorkeling while you do this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, that's... and you just dive down or stay on the surface and you shoot them. And it's so much fun. I had no idea. And I always thought like, oh, that's dangerous. You're, you you got to dive down 20 feet. I hate the pressure on my ears. It's not comfortable. Um but we have a really beautiful lake here, just in the hills, super clear. Um, and then the Missouri River is where we're gonna. I'm gonna go uh, this weekend over the Fourth of July, and and I I guess that's another mecca of, or uh, for the state of South Dakota anyway, places to go spear fishing. So it's uh, me and my wife are gonna try it out and uh, see what we can do. But then we don't have to worry about the fish bite, and it's like, can we find them? we can shoot them. yeah yeah <laughs> just well, i wish a... you guys luck on that that actually yeah. sounds like a riot i would tell i've been telling all my buddies like you gotta try it uh i know it's like you don't know what you're doing but you gotta find a way to try it somehow and it's uh yeah so if you ever get that opportunity give it a give it a shot i'm not in the in the mode to showing anybody how to do it quite yet <laughs> <laughs> i uh, actually someday. had a buddy hit me up and, and he wants to go out uh there's Take a lake in Nevada. Up. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to. Now that yep. you just said that, I'm definitely going to. Do it. Yeah. Have you ever done the, uh, what do they call it, bow fishing? Have you ever tried that? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that gets pretty big on the eastern side of South Dakota because we get in the springtime we need a lot of flooding in the carp just fill the ditches, and it's a really good good place to do that. We got lots of big mouth buffalo and and common carp to shoot so um and you can do that not having to be in a boat because that's that's the other tricky thing can be gear heavy needing to be a boat with lights and going at at night and that sort of thing so i've only ever done it like at spillways you go over a spillway and you can see all the carp swimming around and shoot them it's kind of fun what would you rather do bowfish or spearfish oh i do spearing yeah yeah all right yeah because you can go already got me convinced (laughs) yeah because because i'm gonna go chase walleye spearfishing and and smallmouth i love eating smallmouth i love eating walleye uh and there's probably some perch there's white bass i'll eat white bass all day um so those are those are fish to eat and i mean don't get me wrong i know you can make a carp taste good but (laughs) <laughs> no thanks <laughs> it's, no, it's not a walleye not a walleye by any means so uh before we move on i do notice uh i've got a timer on here it says one and a half minutes left i don't know what that means i paid for the whole subscription so if we get 
booted off. We'll restart it. So I don't all know right, what I don't enough. know what that's all about. Like I said, I I'm not too techie yet with my Zoom Zoom stuff. No, you're good. Um. So yeah, you got your seat. Your your hunting season goals when you approach a a shed season or the beginning of, or a new year after the winter time. Are you able to set some goals? Like, how do you, what do you, what do you like to do for, for setting goals on, on shed hunting? And what was this year? What's this year? This year, I wanted to find 300 sheds. Just, that was just a shot in the dark number. Let's just see. And I mean, there's definitely been years I've found more. Uh, I don't really count anymore, but just the fact that uh, Scout to Hunt actually has a shed log on their app. I can actually track what all I found this year. And uh, so far I'm literally at like 50%. I have like 150 sheds out of the 300. So I need to up those numbers. And most of them actually came in the month of May. Like my month of May was redonkulous. Like Hmm. found a lot of sheds in the month of May. Let's put it that way. And then, but as far as goals go, uh, I just, obviously you always want to find 400 to 200. That's just, I don't know, like for me, that's the pinnacle is 400 for elk and 200 inch for deer. And that's always the goal, but I'm not really ever hiking premium units though, either. I actually like to hit a lot of the outskirts of premium units just because those premium units just, I honestly don't like competition while I'm shed hunting because shed hunting to me is not a competition. Like I'm out there to have fun enjoy my time out there and have a good time with my buddies. And that's the other thing about me. I hate going solo, hate going solo. I always have to have one more person with me. I had a incident one time where I was solo truck broke down and Wes had a very long hike out in the dark and it was a little sketchy for myself. And I just promised myself right then and there. I'm like, I'm never going by myself ever again. Like, this is stupid. And, you know, like in case there was like an accident or some type of emergency, dude, if you're out there in the back country, you break a leg or something like that. Good luck, you know, unless you have like a a device that you can hit that SOS and get some help out there. But in a lot of the places that I go, we don't have service out there. So I would seriously just be so screwed if I didn't have somebody else with me. Yeah. So, hmm. but kind of got off track there. But for goals, for the most part, it's just I want to find bigger than I found before. You know. Yeah. That's that's mostly the goal. I don't really have, uh, like I want a seven point set that has this much mass. I don't do those type yeah, of goals. Yeah. 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 Mine is always I want to find I want to find elk an elk set side by side, or I want to yeah. find uh in my 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 goals are about a tenth of what yours are for numbers. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh bring it down to uh uh more manageable numbers for for the the guy not doing it full time for sure. Exactly. And, like I got a season. So you hit 150 in um just the what somebody would call a long season, I'm sure. So and, and covering ground and traveling. So hitting mm-hmm. hitting um just finding a few for somebody is a, is a big deal. Finding, finding five, 10, 15, 20, 30 is a, is a good season for a lot of people. Absolutely. But yeah, always trying to find my, I think my goal for next year is going to have to be finding 
a good number of brown deer. Brown deer, just like maybe I'm losing my eye for them. I posted a video this last year of just a bunch of chalk. It's like, I think I'm colorblind to the brown deer. I don't know where they're at. All <laughs> I can pick up is these white ones. And I know these brown ones are right here somewhere. I'm walking right past them. But man, you got to have an eye for it. And do you think after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. There's a question that's just popping in my head now. Do you think as you do this more and more, you're getting better at it? Your eyes are getting trained into seeing that better? Or do you think some people just have a, a knack for it? I definitely feel the longer I have shed hunted, the better I have got at it, 100%. And I would say I glass up probably 65 to 70% of the sheds that I find. I really? love getting on a big vantage point and glassing my little butt off. And mm-hmm. yeah, I find a lot of sheds glassing and, you know, I've almost got to the point too, when I'm glassing and I have another buddy with me and like, Oh, come look at this, check it out. I'm like, this is sick, you know, but don't get me wrong. It goes both ways. There's been times where it's like, I don't know about that. Like, and it'll be, you know, a thousand yards away. And it's like this little white speck. And I'll tell my buddy like, Hey, there's something out there. And he's like, dude, you're, you're an idiot. Like, there's no way that's a shed. And there have been times that it's been a shed, but there have also been times it was just either a piece of bone or a stick or something like that. But I do feel the more you go shed hunting, you definitely get an eye for it. Absolutely. And there are definitely people that just have the, a knack for it, but I feel the more you do it, you definitely get a eye for it and like that's even looking for spots though too the more you do it you can literally just go on a drive with your family and just know you're in shed country you can just look at it you can look at the vegetation you can look at the terrain check and see what elevation you're at and it's like dude this is like winter range there has to be animals here and sheds here so 
yeah, the, definitely. I feel the more you do it, you get better at it. And on that winter range, what do you, are you noticing specific plant species? Is that a give giveaway to you? Obviously, sagebrush. Yeah, like sagebrush. Just animals love sagebrush. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. Like when you go out to Wyoming, dude, you're finding sheds in a sea of sagebrush in some parts. Um, I also just I love to look for mahogany. Mahogany's been a big one. Uh, buckbrush. I have a lot of success in buckbrush. Uh, here on the Wasatch Front, we have the oak brush out here, and that will just beat the crap out of you. But a lot yeah. of sheds hide in that oak brush. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say there's certain vegetation that I love to look for. Absolutely. I had a. There was a four. I know this bull scored at like four eleven something like that he was at the rocky mountain elk foundation banquet in the lenwood springs colorado because i lived i lived in in western colorado for a few years eight years or so and uh, i was at that banquet and i was chatting with somebody and a couple of people trying to get a like where'd that bull come from it was sheds off of in an area and i found out i know the basin where that came out of and i shed hunted that basin oh really yeah. And almost the, cause I knew the land manager that, that worked that piece of state ground. And, uh, I knew where that, that bull kind of was and the, he knew about it. And he, he told me later where that bull came out of. And I think I was on the same year that I hunted it and I don't know who got there first, but it was before the shed season, but I probably walked around that bull. Really? And <laughs> 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 it's just, just a stupid huge bull that and it was we know the score because it was in one of those stupid guessing games where you're guessing that to win a gun at the rocky mountain elk banquet (laughs) i was like oh my gosh i know exactly where that bull came from and i had an awesome shed trip that year i went and picked up in one little trip on one hillside there's six brown elk sheds in there i was having a riot that was my best day for the longest time it was awesome um had I known there was a set of 411 inch, I wouldn't have known what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was picking up little raghorns, the spikes, the, the, the I, I found one nice five point and I was jacked about that. And had I known that that was around, I, I would have lost it. I would have been done right there. See, and my biggest set is 380. And so that's huge. If I ever, Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like <laughs> I poop my pants, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's just that 400 it's like a magical number and dude if that ever happens for myself i might as well just retire because that will be the pinnacle for me yeah absolutely but i let's be honest i won't retire i'll just want to go find the next (laughs) 400 inch bull (laughs) yeah and so to 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 keep this uh your your shed hunting going throughout the year like right now in my terrain i'd say it's not doable we are heavy heavy rainfall we just got uh, three quarters of an inch just now in the last four hours. We're not, I don't live in the high desert anymore. Um, I don't have sage brush right around or, or anything. Um, it's on the Wyoming border. So I know that there is some opportunity there's still some places where you could, you could hit stuff, but uh, is it, it has to be that deserty stuff. I'm assuming. To, Absolutely. To 100%. be able to, to keep going into the, the summer and those, those fall seasons. What is there areas that 
um, that do, do have pretty high vegetation growth that, that you're able to hit in, is it just in that, in that early springtime or is there, is there an October, November season that that's worth checking those places or how's that? So going? I, I guess I do do that though. Uh, there are definitely certain places that I have to hit early just because dude, I'm a wuss with certain things. One, I hate hiking in the snow. That drives me nuts. I hate hiking in the snow. And two, I hate tall vegetation. I hate bugs. I hate mosquitoes. I hate all that stuff. Ticks, eh, get them out of here. But yes, I have spots that I have to hit early because it'll be too tall vegetation. And like I told you, I love to glass. And when the vegetation gets tall enough, you can't glass for anything. You can't see anything. And so that's why I go out to the desert during this time. Uh, the bugs aren't as bad, but dude, like you were saying with the moisture this year, I've never seen Nevada this green. Cause that's where I like to go is Nevada during the hot yeah. parts of the year. I've never seen Nevada have this much vegetation and be this green. And it actually kind of disappointed me too. And the one spot that I love go right now, dude, I can't go right now cause it is Growing high up. vegetation. Yeah. And it's green. It's all over the place. So it kind of shocked me, but yeah, there are definitely places that I have to hit earlier than others. Yeah. Our, our prairie is west side of the state is just, this is the most perfect spring for us. Uh, Eastern South Dakota, not so much, but Western South Dakota is just getting hammered with weekly rains. It's been 60s, 70s. We're finally hitting some 80s. It's beautiful. It's been, yeah. been an awesome, awesome year. And I think, uh, a lot of Western states too, are going to just have an awesome antler growth here. Um, I think they're going to, things are going to be good for them. For Absolutely. Sure. So um, as an antler buyer, that's my business as well. Antler buyer and I buy and sell tax for me. So I got to ask some questions <laughs> related to that. Yeah. Are you, absolutely. Uh, you uh, keep it all, buy it, sell it all? What do you oh, keep I, def- few- I definitely sell. Like my wife would kill me if I kept everything. Like even knowing our- what it's worth. well and our whole storage unit right now is just full of antlers and yeah uh dude but the market right now is taking a big old garbage yeah yeah and so i have honestly held on to everything that i found this year up to this point um but dude i i'm a sucker for character i love keeping anything with character anything that like just gets me going a little bit i have to keep but then there's other stuff that I cut into dog chews, which I sell on my website and like chalks and all that stuff. Or if it's just like a smaller bull, like I've had to kind of give myself a, a number. Like if it's not 340 plus, like I kind of got to get rid of it unless it has some type of character. And yeah. so those usually turn into dog chews or I'll just sell them. Yeah. But yeah, I, def- I definitely have to sell like doing this full time. Uh, dude, I can't keep all those antlers. That's no, that's ridiculous. No. no, and I'm really curious, and and I'm sure this will be a shock to a lot of people because this this drop in the market is pretty new. Um, it seemed like right as the season started, the the shed season started, that's when prices really started to go. And then there's still a couple of couple little buyers that are in the mix of other buyers are like one guy's just going to raise them up just a little bit and then they're Mm -hmm. trying to compete but everybody's like no dude (laughs) drop them prices Mm -hmm. are low um 
but the, and the reason for that is just everybody's all stockpiled. The big, big two companies are stockpiled and loaded up and there's guys that are turning stuff away. I started turning it a little bit away here and there of just the B grade and the B grade B and deer. I don't want it. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to pay much for it. Um, but chalk always seems to go pretty well for, mm-hmm. for everybody. But, um, how do you think that could change? Uh, or do you, will you think, do you think it could change the numbers of people out shed hunting? Do you think people, there's that many people motivated by, uh, the dollar signs behind this? Because when you go from 18 bucks a pound deer and maybe even that further West, you guys get to hit some of that more nineteen twenty dollar. You, you get to hit some higher dollars, especially around Jackson hole area, mm-hmm. um, down to 14 bucks a pound or like deer. I even hear like eight bucks a pound on brown deer being thrown around yep. or, or not buying it at all. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with that? Like, I definitely feel the people that are driven by the dollar sign are going to drop out. Like, cause that's their mm-hmm. motive. Like they're only going shed hunting because they want to make some extra cash. So those people will definitely drop out. But then you have people like myself. I just love shed hunting period. So the money doesn't motivate me, honestly, right. like the antler itself, because I love that. I mean, before, all those other reasons I said it earlier, but I love that each antler is unique to yourself. Only you have that antler. Nobody else on planet Earth has that antler except for you. And I love that aspect about shed, shed hunting. And so I feel the ones that, you know, really just love it for just the exercise or the therapy or whatever, you you know, you do it for those people will still stick around, but I feel the people that are doing it just to make a buck, they're definitely going to drop out. Okay with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. I'm very cool with that. I've, I've really kind of bent the ear of a few biologists in our state with, uh, don't you mess with my shit, my shed hunting. Don't you create a <laughs> shed season. Just leave it alone. I love hiking in March and they kind of give me crap of, yeah, it sounds like a, sh- like a antler buyer talking about something. It's like, no, this is, this is my activity. I do with my kids. Like mm-hmm. I do it by myself a lot too, but I'm raising two boys that are going to be my, I figure if I can cover just walking 30 yards, I'm covering 90 yards once these boys are growing up. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it uh, all gets thrown in the same pile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all just about really those. I am definitely just a, a weekend warrior shed hunter, go and have a good time with my boys or go out of my own solo hunt just to hike. Um, for those reasons you just shared. So, um, it, uh, yeah, I don't, I just don't want it to get messed with. That's a, that's a hard thing for me to, to, um, see happen. So, and with that, I know, I know we've got uh, the Utah shed closer due to, um, due to extreme weather and the, and the health of those animals is, is one thing. What about, what do you, where are you at on just shed seasons in general? I mean, you get a, let's say you got a real mild, mild winter and, and Colorado's May 1st. What, what's your thought on that? Honestly, I feel if, a shed closure is needed i'm all for it like i definitely want the animals to survive i don't want to be out there pushing them and you know making them more vulnerable than they already are i don't want to see animals just dying all over the place absolutely like 
obviously if more animals die we don't get to pick up those sheds you know and so obviously i feel if the conditions are severe enough that we need a closure i'm 100 percent behind that now that's the whole reason why i go to arizona and new mexico is because where i go the winter is not that bad like i'm actually usually hunting dry ground when i go to those states you know and so for me it's hard to like have shed seasons every single year you know if the winter's not bad i don't really necessarily think there should be a season and if you do close off one part of the state the other state gets hammered you know what i mean and the other part of the state gets hammered and it just brings more people over there the animals are more pressured on that side and it just kind of becomes a chaotic little thing and honestly i i think the whole shed run with jackson and all that is a joke dude like you have people fighting in parking lots and stuff like i have never done it nor do i ever want to do that to me that doesn't sound fun like i love to just be out with my crew and we're doing our thing you know that's that's what i'm about i love to just go out there it's not a competition just have fun with it but as far as shed seasons i'm not like the biggest fan unless we really need them yeah running into another boot track or something um really kind of takes the winds out of your sail sometime and... i disagree really phase me doesn't phase me dude i that's picked awesome up sheds literally a foot away from somebody's boot track before like they don't phase me seeing pe- i mean obviously that first instinct when you're like 10 miles in the back country and you see a boot print it's like son of a bitch like how did <laughs> they get back here you know but at the same time it's like dude they can't find everything like right. you literally could walk around the next tree and there could be one laying right there it's all about your lines your angles all that and so i don't i don't let that stuff affect me Good. That's good to hear. And I think that's a motivating thing in in itself. Cause I, I did have that backpack trip with my dad this year and somehow guys got in there a little shorter distance. <laughs> drove, me, yeah. drove me nuts. I think they got some permission to access something and it was like a window of, okay, the snow just melted enough. We should be able to find these elk. And it was my good elk spot. And I went in there and didn't find a single elk shed, just a bunch of little three-point white mealies. And I, I and I found that that uh, track and I was like, oh, shoot, these because the big meadows is where these elk sheds would be at. And and I got that's my desktop picture at work. It's just this big six-point elk shed in the middle of a big meadow that you could see plain as day for for 300 yards is that thing is sticking up out of the out of the grass the the short grass and so i knew seeing that boot track i was like my big ones or my ones are not going to be here out in that open uh there's still too much snow in the trees and it's like shoot i don't know where these things are going to be at and whatever else so um but and when you talk about picking a line and picking uh your approach to a hillside explain that a little bit what do what do you mean by um picking lines and picking picking a good micro area you've already scouted out the area you know the area you want but once you're on that ground what makes 20 yards to the left versus 20 yards to the right any difference 
Maybe not 20. And I mean, yeah, I was going to say no, 20 yards like, really isn't like make, that big of a difference. But honestly, uh, it's the sign. If I'm not seeing any sign, any poop, any rubs or anything like that, I have to bail areas. I have to <laughs> be in sign. Uh, but I honestly love to get about three quarters of the way up a mountain so I can still see at the top of the mountain, not necessarily the very top at the peak, but I can still see up to the top and I can see everything else below me. So I'm about three quarter of the way up and I'm just walking a straight line, honestly, and I'm just side hailing it. And then every like hundred yards, I'm just glassing back. Even the stuff that I've already glassed 10 times, I'm still glassing back because I have a different angle on it. And I just feel glassing is almost like walking a hillside. There's been times that I've glassed up seven sheds in one spot. Like I've just sat down, I got one over here, over here, over here, over here. And then you just, you know, kind of take pictures and you do little circles and like, all right, this one's here, this one's here. Because, dude, there's been times that I've glassed something up, made my way all the way down, lost thousand feet elevation, gained a thousand feet of elevation. And now I can't find the shed. I have no idea where it is. So now I like Mm -hmm. to take a picture of like when I know that it's like really thick or something like that. I like to take a picture and try to like pick out like, oh, this is a dead tree. It's going to be next to this thing. And so that way I can kind of navigate where I'm going. But for the most part, I walk straight lines and I'm looking at sign. And then once I finally find something, especially if it's, you know, good size, then I start doing circles. And then like my circles go from like 10 yards around to 20 yards around to 30 yards around. And then I'll get to, you know, a certain point that's like, all right, man, like this is not nearby. Let's go somewhere else. You know, let's keep on our path. And I feel there's usually a vantage point every single time that I sit down. It's like, all right, I want to get to that point. And then you get to that point and then you look down and it's like, all right, I want to get to that point. And then you keep going. But as I'm going to those certain points, I'm just glassing my butt off, checking all the different angles. And there's been plenty of times that I've crossed a hillside and look back on the same hillside that I just crossed and I find the shed. So Mm -hmm. I'm always just keeping my head on a swivel, glassing a ton. And obviously you want to try to cover as much ground as possible too. So I probably average like in more mountainous terrain, I'm anywhere between nine and 12 miles, but out in the desert, little rolling foothills, I'm like 12 to 15 miles is what I put in. And the most I've ever put in in the day was 23 miles. That's a, a day hike. That's a long day. That and was ho- out in the desert. Hopefully pretty flat. That was, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. It was just super flat and just a lot of sage and just threw down some miles that day. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, trickier question, various answers. We can go however we want with that, but as an antler buyer, I feel like I'm constantly thinking about uh, what positive influence I'm putting or negative influence. I'm, am I contributing to, to the crowding? Am I contributing to putting a value on something that's wildlife? Uh, But I can, I connect that to trapping as well. Uh, um, Trapping is there's out there that's, there's uh, not a high value, but, um, there's, there's value in furs and there's money to be made by our natural resources. And, and this one happens to be, um, living and we, we yeah. extract other things that are non-living and, and, and make money off of that. So as a, as a YouTuber, 
Uh, I'm sure you've had the, the, um, the, the conversations with people and, and I, <laughs> are we doing good? Are we, what, where, how do you ground yourself with, um, um, I I'm doing some positive things here because mm-hmm. you have a, you have a far bigger platform than I do, but I, even as a small guy, I still have those same thoughts and, and my career is in R3 recruitment, retention, reactivation of sportsmen. So that's what I do uh, for a living. And so I constantly thinking about that. How do I, I'm bringing people in to a sport, but can there be too many sometimes? Or or where, where's your brain sit with, with that conversation with your, with yourself (laughs) or with others? It's funny you say that because I actually had a guy come up to me. Uh, actually, it was yesterday. Uh, I have seen him at the gym multiple times. And uh, he came up to me and he's like, dude, I thought you were a douchebag for commercializing hunting. Uh, you know, we have this conversation, but it ended up being like, you're just a genuine dude. You know, like at the end of the conversation, he's like, I'm going to start following you again. Uh, because I had just helped an old lady load ice into her cooler, dude. And he came up and he's like, I was pumping gas. I saw you do this. I've seen you open doors for people at the gym. He's like, I just had to come up and tell you, like, I thought you were a douche, but you're just a genuine guy. So, but going back to your question, bro, I'm never going to get mad at somebody doing something that they love. Like I invite anybody to shed hunt. Like it's never going to piss me off to see somebody doing something out in nature, being healthy, being active, doing stuff for their mental health. I'm never going to get mad at somebody for shed hunting and Mm -hmm. enjoying hunting and enjoying God's creation. Like that's just not me. I'm never going to get mad at that. Have I had people get pissed that I either gave away a spot or I commercialize hunting and I put a bad name to it and all that it's like, how am I putting a bad name to it? If anything, I'm like encouraging people to be healthy. Like, and yeah. it's something that you can do with your friends. You can do with your family. You can do it solo. You can do it however you want to do it. And I just feel people are going to get pissed over anything yeah. anyway. And honestly, dude, people make money doing so many weird things as it is anyway <laughs> like people get paid to show off their feet bro like seriously like i don't know that yeah. blows my mind but anyway yeah. i don't feel not contributing to the better of humanity in any possible way. exactly <laughs> and so i just feel like if you're out there doing something that you love and you're not you know tearing up vegetation you're not littering the grounds and stuff like that and you're being respectful what harm are you really doing Mm-hmm. like honestly like what harm are you really doing like just because you post a video on on youtube and somebody recognizes the spot and they're like oh now everybody's gonna know about it. it's like no dude like nobody knows about it unless you've actually been there like yeah. nobody's gonna know and so i don't i don't know like i'm never gonna get mad at people doing what they love and i don't feel like i am doing a negative thing by sharing my passion by sharing something that I love, by sharing something that I'm trying to inspire others to live a healthier lifestyle. And, you know, I've taken people out on their very first shed hunt. And dude, there's nothing funner than seeing somebody find their very first shed. 
And a lot of people sit there and talk crap on shed hunting. And they're just saying like, how can you just go find participation trophies and da, da, da. It's like, dude, it's more than that. Like you're, you're missing it, bro. Like you're missing it by a lot. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we're doing any harm. And do you realize how much country there is to hike out there? Like, dude. Yeah. And the shed hunting niche in itself is so small in the grand scheme of things. Hunting is so small in the grand scheme of things. And so, I don't know. I I do have arguments with people, too, about, like, where you get your meat from. It's like, dude, I would much rather provide for my family and, like, let's say the world, like, goes through some weird stuff and we have to defend for ourselves. I am so glad that I am a hunter and I know how to provide for myself and my family. Like I know, I know how to hunt an animal, how to butcher it and how to come home and cook it and provide for my family. And people will get mad at you for doing that. And it's like, dude, how's that McDonald's cheeseburger that you're eating? Do you know what they do to the cows? Like, do you know how the livestock actually lives? You know? So for me, unless you experience it and do things for yourself like you can't really talk crap on it unless you know what you're really talking about so yeah that's my two cents sorry i went on a rant no i love it i love it i've uh over the last couple of years just as i grow in my career a little bit more i i hear r r3 was a, a a newer concept and then now it's been around long enough now you got people starting to turn on it and say maybe getting people into the teaching more people is not good. Like let's, if you heard of any Matt Ranello stuff, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is a hunt quietly podcast. You hear some of that. It's like, okay, let me think about this a little bit. So I've, I've been able to settle in a little bit on where I stand and, and uh, um, even just helping some of my hunters with choosing some tags and I'm like, I'm hunting that same unit. well i want to know your stance on it how how do you feel about it like with this being your profession how do you feel about it well the it it kind of has gone over to gone through the crowding i mean that the crowding aspect has been a piece to that conversation quite a bit and um i i have yet to see i want to see some data uh, state by state on what our hunter numbers are at. Cause I see these numbers of our decline in participation numbers nationwide and kind of how me and a few other people have hashed this out on this podcast have been seeing that that might be true. Yes. But now people like you and me are hunting one, two, three States. We're not like the baby boomers who bought the tag at the convenience store and hunted the little county that they lived in. That was mm-hmm. the very common thing. And now our impact of one person can have quite a bit more than what maybe three baby boomers would have had. So I don't think we can measure things the same way. And I don't know how to, to measure that, that impact on, on hunters numbers, but um, we do need more. We do need a more a bigger community. We need a, a uh, um, we need people to have that voice to, uh, to be advocates, whether they are hunters or not. And so when I when I teach folks, 
I, my goals are not just to create a hunter for next year. It is to create an educated person, a, a, uh, a, a person that's an advocate for whatever the state agency does. So if they can walk away and say, I see how they manage deer and elk. I like that. I, I get it. I understand why you can't just walk into a Walmart and buy a tag, like every Eastern state almost. Uh, I understand this big complicated draw system that it's, it's, a lot of you've got a canyon over here and a, the black hills over here and the prairie over there you've got po- populations that have to ma- manage so totally different so having to um having those advocates is a big piece to that and i want to create as many advocates as possible and i agree it, it's hard to take my own piece after you um putting a very positive thing that I agree a hundred percent with in my head <laughs> just right now of, of seeing, seeing people enjoy the outdoors. And, um, I get to be a part of first hunts all the time. I get to be a part of the pictures being sent of, I, I just drew whatever mm-hmm. and I'm jacked for them. I, our West river deer season, um, our November rifle, it's our main rifle hunt. Uh, that draw just came out today. And, uh, so I, I put a post on my little administer, my, my hunters, it's just a small little closed group and it's in a, a post out to them. And they, um, I said, Hey, sh- what'd you guys get? Share with a group. How, what'd you draw? Did, um, and then reminded them, Hey, this isn't the last draw. Look at antelope season. Uh, if you didn't get what you want, how did, how did it go? And I had gotten the emails before that just with a, Hey, I drew this unit. Now it's time to start scouting this. That jacks me up. Yeah. I get, so it out, it outweighs the, um, me hiking around and seeing another hunter and saying, ah, oh, I can't go here. can't go there. can't go there because I get to see the, the stories later on instead of just a, a an orange vest. So no, I get you. I if if other hunters can see other hunters not just as an orange vest, but you can see like a story behind that, I think you could appreciate it. That's kind yeah, of where I'm at. And I love that you brought that up because dude, like that's some of my most favorite memories are on the mountain with my family, my dad, my grandpa, you know, like that's what I cherish. Like, and I'll take that to my grave. Like those mm-hmm. are some of my funnest memories and so i'm glad you brought that up because yeah like i i can't get mad at people doing something that they love i just can't yeah absolutely no matter how we do it yeah whatever fashion we do it chasing deer with dogs whatever (laughs) whatever we do it (laughs) I mean, there's an extent there that, you know, like, hey, I, I guess I'll somewhere else. With this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, I mean, we don't do it here, but that's, mm. they, well, I think that's, that's the a... thing is everybody has their own ethics. Right. Just because somebody does something one way, like you have the hikers that get pissed off at the people on four wheelers. Yeah. The guys on four wheelers getting pe- pissed off at the people flying in airplanes, you know, and searching that mm-hmm. way. So it's just like, whatever your ethics are, you're always going to have somebody that disagrees with you. However you do things, you know, right. and you're never going to please anybody. I mean, everyone. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel as long as you're respectful and you're doing the right things, that's what it's all about. Well, I got one more question for you and we'll wrap this up. Um, rise and shed. What does that mean? Where'd you get it? So you have some, some, uh, 
some thought behind it. Love to hear kind of what, and that's almost going backwards. I could have asked that the first question, just maybe what, what's the philosophy behind uh, your story there? Honestly, my mother woke us up every day saying rise and shine. And I just turned it into rise and shed just because I love shed hunting. Uh, I, I, I hope I didn't disappoint you there with some type of thing, (laughs) but then, uh, my slogan is rise to the occasion and shed self doubt. And that just means, you know, whatever you're going through, just rise to the occasion and whatever self doubt that you had, you throw that out the window and you accomplish whatever you want to do in your life. And so that's, that's what I run with. Awesome. That's what I wanted to hear. (laughs) That's good stuff. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Wes, I would appreciate your 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 time and conversation and and uh, um, ideas and opinions and and what you do for for getting people excited for the outdoors and what it in a different way than just a um, what was the old uh, videos of twenty kills and thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how we used to view view our hunting content because that's all that was out there. So uh, it's great to have. A, a variety of channels to subscribe to on YouTube and and get some different content. When I want shed hunting, I go watch shed hunting. When I want to watch some bull hunting, I go watch some elk hunting here and there. So mm-hmm. uh, my five year old always has something else, something different he wants to watch every time. And one of the times it was some kind of African hunt, and I was like, "Buddy, I don't really, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's cool and all, but man, uh, I don't want to sit watch someone sitting in a blind shooting at a whatever." But <laughs> uh, I was I like, "Let's it. let's watch some mountain goat hunt, and let's watch some uh, this or that." So uh, appreciate what you do, and, and you're doing good stuff, and it, and uh, I, I love to hear the the background behind what people are doing. So appreciate that. No, thank you, oh. man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and and quick, um, once you you know, plug Rise and Shed and uh, Hunt Wars, and and if somebody wants to get involved with Hunt Wars, that might be a question in future years. What do they got to do? Uh, for Hunt Wars, you just go to huntwars.com. Uh, there's an application little box right there. Click it and fill out your application. It's a hundred dollars per application, and usually you get to take a buddy, so that's pretty awesome too. Uh, for Rise and Shed stuff, I have my website riseandshed.com. I sell all my merch uh shirts hats belts uh dog shoes and then have my youtube channel and yeah that's that's about it that's awesome all right well thank you very much and and it's nine o'clock it's time to go to bed (laughs) yes sir but thank you man i appreciate you having me on it was it was a fun conversation so thank you yeah you bet well uh that'll wrap it up but uh um Hey, South Dakota's got some good shed hunting. So, um, oh, if yeah. you, if, I've been over in the Black Hills, bro. Good. I've done some shed hunting. I'm sure you have. Uh, yep. we've got character in our in our elk. There yeah. is there's some good character. The the they're just gorgeous elk. There's gorgeous elk, and so. well, even for hunt wars, we're actually hunting in South Dakota this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. we're gonna be doing mule deer hunt. Awesome. So I'll I'll be out that way. Uh, you're in Rapid City. Yeah. Well, yep. if I ever come through there and stuff, I'll have to give you yep. a shout. Let Absolutely. You know. Please do look me up. I'll take you out to lunch or, or, uh, and if it's in the right time of year, I'll go for a hike, do something. Hell yeah. So, I'm about that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I don't have great spots, but hey, we'll Dude, go for a hike. <laughs> Dad, you're just a bonus, bro. I'm I, out there just to have fun. I got, I got a spot though. There's a heavy glass and spot and it, it would be one of those that, you walk by a lot of stuff and, and it just takes some, 
it would take some good glass and some patience. And I need someone to teach me to sit and look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> so, alrighty. Well, I appreciate it. And we'll see hey, you. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. You bet. This is God's country.